You're listening to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions, and I'm your host, Michelle Dawes-Burke. Fasten your seatbelts as it's sure to be an informative discussion and conversation. Keep in mind that we are not perfect, but we're empowered. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. I'm your host for today, Michelle Dosbert. And as always, I'm super excited to be here with you. Um, it is going to be my last Sunday with you for this year because Christmas is next Friday. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the third Sunday of the month and this is when I come and see you every first and third Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm super excited. You guys had rocked out with me this entire year. So I'm going to thank you again at the end of the program. But here in Georgia, big voting again uh, for the Senate seat here in Atlanta, in, in Georgia. So I don't know for those that are watching, like all of this paraphernalia that's been coming in my mail about going to vote, go vote, vote early. I did vote early. If you have not, make a plan to vote. Go ahead and get out there and vote. Um, find out where you can go and vote because that's very important. And then cast your vote. And if you want to mail it in, feel free to do so. But this is very critical for us here. The whole nation is watching to see how this is going to turn out because we got to get the House in order for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to pass bills that we need them to pass. So, yes, please, if you have not gone out to vote, please go do so. And I'll remind you again at the end of the program. Thanks, everybody, for all the new listeners. Um, just want to give you a little background about what Real Chicks Rock is all about. We're all about creatively collaborating to connect and raise awareness regarding issues that impact women. Um, and we do it by way of community service, engagement, public speaking, mentoring. We have what workshops that empower people. They learn different things from business to entrepreneurial to uh, financial management, time management, etc. And then we have this, the arts, the media. And we've been doing this for quite some time. And we like this because it allows us to talk about the issues that impact us as women and the men that support us, too. So, you know, it's not just solely for women. Men tune in. They check us out. I've had guests that are male and it's no different today. Today's topic is really very important. Um, I don't want to take it very lightly. I appreciate our guests that were willing to carve out some time to join us today. Today's topic is life with HIV, like living with the HIV virus. I think that, you know, I've talked about this a couple of years ago. It's been some time. And now I have some people in the space that are living with HIV. Um, they are healthy. They are wise. They are phenomenal individuals. They've de dedicated their lives to helping other people maneuver and work through the virus. And it's going to be great to understand their perspective, their viewpoint, on how they felt when they first found out about it to today and where we're going in the future with having to deal and cope with the virus. My guest today is Larry Scott Walker. Larry, how are you? Okay. How are you? How are you? I'm ah, doing... good. Good to see you, Larry. Good to see you. I, I also have Masonia Trailer. I'm not sure if she's going to be able to join in, but I'm, I'm thankful, Larry, that you were able to carve out some time in your busy schedule to join us. Welcome, Larry. Welcome. Of course. Thank you. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is an, an amazing Sunday. It's nice outside. Like yeah. you say, we have a runoff going on. Yeah. Everybody's all activated and stuff like that. And I feel really good. So, yes. Awesome. Awesome. The weather's not too bad, too. I'm I'm from the Northeast, and so they got hit with some snow in New York, and so it's just nice to be in 53-degree weather here in Atlanta. I'm rubbing it in. I'm rubbing it. 
I'm revving it in. Today is right. a nice day weather-wise. So, Larry, let's jump in, right, because time is of the essence, and I know you're a very v- busy person, and I don't want to suck up your whole Sunday, but I know you're an interesting <laughs> person. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Larry. Give us a little background. So I'm a black gay man living with HIV, but before that, I was uh, uh, born and both raised in Baltimore, Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, where where I um, was raised in the East Baltimore, so usually you're from Northeast. I know the snow, even though Baltimore is technically still in the South. Um, I came to Atlanta by way of Morehouse College. I studied African-American studies and theater at Morehouse College. Um, I became an advocate, truly, at Morehouse College. I was one of uh, two co-founders of the first and only GSA uh, at Morehouse called Safe Space. Um, after that, I moved back to Baltimore, uh, worked in community, working at community centers and things like that. Um, that's where I would find out that I'm a person living with HIV in mm-hmm. 2007. Um, and, you know, uh, lived with HIV, basically just surviving, taking my pill for years until I moved back to Atlanta and met a, a host of young people living with HIV who were thriving with HIV. And it made me want to do something uh, for myself. It made me want to, like, you know, own my status, even mm. though I was undetectable. It made me want to be, you know, out about my status. And then once I learned that one of my close family members was living with HIV mm. and had been for decades, um, it uh, gave me the inspiration and the encouragement to actually do something. Wow. So uh, that's when I uh, co-founded Thrive. Wow, Assessment. wow, they, wow. And, and so they've been living with HIV for years and hadn't said anything. And I guess through your strength, they felt comfortable in, in saying, say, hey, Larry, I have it too. Is that how it happened for your family? That actually, I would have been the most ideal situation, but that yeah. is not. Um, unfortunately, my family member became really ill oh. and... Um, and yeah, the, that's how I found out that's that they were living with HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that is what made me want to utilize my story as a way of encouragement for other people right. because we didn't have that point of departure. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that conversation starter. You know, mm-hmm. um, they didn't have that person to rely on until it was too late. You know, right, right. and unfortunately, you know, they uh, would eventually succumb to. Uh, advanced illness. Mm -hmm. So Larry, tell me a little bit, how did you feel when you found out that you had HIV? Um, Honestly, I I felt shocked. I was, I I felt like I was frozen in time. Mm -hmm. Uh, HIV is a a disease I never wanted as a black gay man. You know, you hear like HIV, you know, it's a big issue in our community and it was even, I mean, especially, and it's still at this time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, also I thought about my favorite poets, my favorite black poets, yes. like Essence Hemphill and Mar- Marlon Reyes and Joseph Beam and how they all died from HIV. And it, mm. and it just made me feel like a statistic, you know, for many reasons. I felt a myriad of, 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 of shame. Yeah. But uh, that wouldn't last, you know, too long until, I've, I mean, that would last for years uh, as I wouldn't be able to like communicate my status out publicly, but immediately I would find other black gay men living with HIV mm-hmm. and we would coalesce around each other and support each other. So I was, I don't want to sell this false narrative. Like I was just, you know, somewhere just feeling right. so uh, downtrodden, but, and I didn't have support cause I did, I had the support of maybe two to three brothers, but in 2015, I wanted to take that from just being the two to three to being hundreds. And now we have, you know, over, you know, 4,000 members nationally. Awesome. You know, so. Awesome. 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 2003, 2015 is when you discovered that you had the virus, right? So it's... No, 2007. 2007. I'm sorry. So it, it's still quite a time since when Magic Johnson had announced that he had it. And it's, it's a different time period. And we're going to get to that. I want to talk about your family and close friends. 
So when you discovered that you had it, you went to your closest family members and just kind of shared or was, how was it? I, I guess I'm painting a really nice picture. But yeah, I mean, me. I love this, Larry. <laughs> I want to meet this guy. This guy is uh, great, you know. <laughs> um, uh, I went to a close friend who I yeah. also knew was living with HIV and I okay. told him immediately. Uh, I would actually not get into care. I didn't tell my family right away. My family mostly found that I was living with HIV by way of my work. Mm. Um, I'm not a big proponent of coming out. I just, I, I believe in just being who I am. You know, I'm not going to announce like, Hey, I'm a person living with HIV because mm-hmm. I'm still that person, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that like, you know, sometimes the announcements and proclamations give people, you know, the permission to other you. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, now he's living with HIV. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. no, but um, I, you know, I went, like I said, I, friends, you know, partners, you know, I would always disclose my status to my partners and things like that. So along the way, I would gain support. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, working in the community space, you know, um, it's a pretty safe space for people living with HIV. You know, right. it's pretty safe to say, you know, I'm a person living with HIV. Mm-hmm. So when I moved back to Atlanta and working with around these young people with the Evolution Project at Atlanta, um, I would gain that confidence. I would see the normalcy in it. You know, I would see the like, okay, not this isn't just a thing that I do when I that I engage when I take my pill or when I go to the doctor. I can uh, utilize the lessons that I'm learning as a person living with HIV to like you know apply them to my whole life. And once I opened up about my status, that's when. I feel like I took the roof off of my potential. Okay. 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 Status and lifestyle are two different things. So I totally understand that. So then you had to make some adaptions, right? You just changed, you changed maybe your your circle of friends or your community changed. How did you pivot and turn Larry? Once you realized you're, you're a gay man living with HIV and you realized there must've been a point, listen, I don't want to die. I don't, I don't know what this means, but I want to try to own it. So how did you make those changes and pivots and turns to adapt to lifestyle. Like my community didn't change. Like the way that interface with my community changed more so. Okay. Um, I think that I had to, I learned to uh, truly allow my community in, um, in in a various, very healthy ways, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, after learning that I was a person of wage, I began to rely on the stories of my community more. I began to lean into the history more. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that I would live mm-hmm. even, you know, I knew it. Like when I was diagnosed, I knew that at that point that I would get on medication, I would live. Right. Um, I just didn't know how I would cope with the stigma. I didn't know how I would cope with, you know, the people othering me. I didn't know how I would, I would cope with, you know, the stares and the judgment. Um, and that was a barrier. Mm. Uh, once I would learn more about HIV and would eventually get into treatment and start like treating the, the virus, I would start surviving with HIV. Okay. But there's a difference between surviving with HIV and thriving with HIV. Okay. You know, taking my meds every day, going to my doctor's appointments, you know, be, being virally suppressed, you know, stopping HIV with me. Because once I'm virally suppressed and durably so, right. I can't pass the virus. But if I'm still living with stigma... If I'm still hating myself or feeling, you know, shame, then I'm still killing myself. Right. right, right. So um, that was the thing that I had to get over. And it took a community approach, you know, yeah. um, allowing my community to infuse my or imbue the way that I thought with healthy self-love, uh, resiliency based messages, as opposed to the uh, 
the detrimental messages that I was I was sending to myself, mm-hmm. sending to my psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, and then I began to thrive with HIV, yeah. and now that's my my goal. You know, you know, it's not enough just to control the virus in your body. Right. We need to support thriving. Yeah, thriving, and and you know, and getting over whatever, like you said, the stigmatism, and maybe there's an embarrassment. Sometimes there's shame associated with it, like how, you know, and there's guilt, like, how did I let this happen? What happened? And those type of things. So I like the fact that you transitioned to just surviving to thriving. That's awesome. Cause we can all do that. We are all guilty of beating ourselves up for things that happen to us. Sometimes it's really out of our control. We don't know if people are not honest with us. We don't know. We, we you, you just don't know. And so things happen and then there's a consequence so I, I really love the fact that you decided to thrive and then the fact that you want to help other people, other men be comfortable in thriving and not just surviving. That's an awesome thing. Now, now Larry, I want to talk a little bit about the medication just a little bit. Did you find that now that you're in a space that you understand how to apply the medication, what you need to do and you're going to your doctor's appointments have your dosage or medication, has it changed over the years because you're doing, you seem to be doing physically well, or do you have to stay on the same regimen regardless of how you're doing today versus yesterday? Um, so, yeah, like um, when I was diagnosed, and I, I don't mind disclosing this information, um, when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with um, advanced stage HIV. So I had less, I had like 165 T cells or something like that. Okay. And under the, 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 um, the number of 200, which would indicate advanced stage HIV. Mm-hmm. So I had to take, you know, uh, an antiretro, uh, my antiretrovirals, I took three, uh, three pill regimen as well as an, uh, an antibiotic for a while. Mm-hmm. So then eventually I transitioned off of the antibiotic once my, uh, I was undetectable, which was like a couple of months. And, you know, I stayed on that three pill regimen for a while and then uh, transitioned to a one a day because I felt like, you know, I wanted something, even though I was taking those pills at the same time, mm-hmm. there were three different pills at different times, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, but it was three different pills that had like three different kind of like standards, like two I could take without med- without food, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And then the other I had to take with food. It was just kind of complicated. Yeah. So I wanted to simplify further. And as medications get safer, smaller, less mm-hmm. toxic, right. I continue to simplify. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my prerogative. That's our prerogative. Yeah. As, yeah. Uh, you know, science gets better, you know, we yeah. make choices, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, you, you know, yeah. And you haven't experienced any kind of side effects because you look amazingly handsome and well. So there isn't like headaches or any kind of internal things that are going on with you with the medication that you know uh, of? My, from my current medication, no, I don't have yeah. any uh, any uh, side effects. I mean, there are side effects that that uh, people experience. Um, the mm-hmm. side effects, the only side effects that I've really experienced ever were um, just a, a bouts of depression in the okay. beginning of okay. transitioning onto my medication, which mm-hmm. was common. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I have a behavioral health team that I work with. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. um, and then also, I just want people to know, like, you know, the medications are, you know, well tolerated in your body. If your medication isn't going to typically cause you to look different. Mm-hmm. Um, if your medication does cause you to feel different, then you should definitely, you know, contract your doctor. Right. You know, because you, it's not like we're not in a day where, you know, people living with HIV have to acquiesce to, you know, uh, horrible side effects mm-hmm. just to live. You yeah. Know, that's yeah. 
That's awesome. That's good to know. I mentioned Magic Johnson earlier. It's been almost 30 years um, he's been living with HIV uh, and due to early detection and medication. Do you think people are less concerned about becoming HIV positive because of the icon and the image that Michael, that Magic Johnson has has given us because he's a healthy person. He's been around for 30 years with the virus. Do you think people have thrown caution to the wind about contracting HIV? No, I don't. Okay. And I definitely don't think that it uh, has anything to do with Magic Johnson, uh, you know, bless his, you know, legacy. Right. And, you know, I mean, he's a, a, you know, a major, you know, legend and hero in our community. Um, I feel like the, if any, if there's a, any type of lethargy or kind of like, um, uh, nonchalance towards the uh, idea or the concept or the conversation of HIV is simply because of the lack of focus Mm -hmm. on HIV. It's because of the lack of priority that we've put on certain people, messaging for certain people, you know, women, uh, you know, uh, uh, certain other populations, trans men, you know, Mm -hmm. there are gay trans men who contract HIV, but they don't see themselves in messaging. They don't see themselves in campaigns. So I I just don't want to... um, feed into the thought that people don't care about Uh HIV. I think that people, I think that we care about HIV, but I think that we also care about pleasure too. We also care Mm -hmm. about, you know, um, uh, having healthy relationships that kind of feel normal, you know? (laughs) So I don't think that it's just that everybody's just like, oh, you know, the host of the one, I think that we're mostly just um, competing with other, you know, desires that complicate. And then also, like I said, the lack of priority, the lack of access yeah. to, you know, certain people don't have access to PrEP, you know. Yeah. Uh, PrEP is pre exposure prophylaxis. It's a pill that you could take every day, you know, uh, to avoid, you know, HIV mm-hmm. uh, com- uh, acquisition. Okay. And, you know, the people who need PrEP don't know about PrEP. Or yeah. there's these weird, you know, misconceptions about it in right. community or judgments about people who take PrEP. Right. So it's not like we're competing against a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I think that we can't have a conversation about prevention without talking about the full social determinants of health that yeah. govern how people show up in their own lives, mm-hmm. you know, where we're raised, how we're raised, if we have education, if we have access to food, safety, you know, yeah, uh, employment yeah. and those, those yeah. things, you know, that's the conversation that, uh, that's the facilitator and the drivers for like HIV acquisition and all other uh, disease state acquisition, not, you know, icons who, you know, have said, you know, that they were, you know, that they're thriving with HIV and, it, mm-hmm. you know, a thing of the past. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about PrEP. I'm glad you brought it up, Larry. And you mentioned that people may not have access to it. Is it because of money or demographics or just knowledge? Why wouldn't people have access to PrEP? What is it? Uh, all of the above, actually. Okay. okay. <laughs> all of the above. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, not having the money, having misconceptions about maybe it, it being uh, expensive, you know. Yeah. Again, like I was talking about the social determinants of health, you know, um, some people are taught and raised, you know, with a, a keen focus and access to information about, like, what it looks like to prioritize your, mm-hmm. your care. Mm-hmm. And some people aren't, you know. And uh, even the people who need uh, PrEP right now or PEP services, which is post-exposure prophylaxis, which is even uh, just as, if, if not more important, you know, if you've come in contact with a person, you know, and you felt like you slept with somebody who was living with HIV, that unchecked HIV, and that did you at risk, and you didn't know their status or whatever, you can go to an uh, emergency facility or care facility and be placed on a regimen for uh, HIV to avoid uh, actually acquiring HIV, mm. you know, after the fact. Yeah. You know, and I don't think that the people who need to know that, young black 
black gay men, young black trans women, yeah. other demographics of people of color right. who are not prioritized. They don't know it, you know. Yeah. So like, it's not just access to the drug; it's access to the information or the yes. knowledge even around the drug. Yes, yes, you know? yes. There's so much information out there. I want to ask you, Larry, and again for those that are listening, uh, my other guest, Masonia Trail trailer was supposed to be here today but i guess due to circumstances she wasn't able to make it i really wanted her to be here to give us from the female's perspective because she's living with hiv too so i again my apologies that she wasn't able to join us but she's doing well yeah i hope she's doing well i know she is i see her in clubhouse she's been doing some talks and some chats she's just probably very busy uh larry let me ask you do you have any idea how many men are living with hiv at least in, in atlanta do you have a sense of what that um, number might be? I don't want to misquote the number. Yes, um, I know that uh, the majority of people living with HIV in Atlanta and Georgia are black, mm-hmm. and that that seventy percent of that number is are men. Mm. Um, that the actual true numbers can be uh, captured at AIDSView.org mm. or AIDSView.com. I think it is okay. Uh, that's A-I-D-S-V-U.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, I apologize. It's AIDSView.gov. Okay. Okay. One of those. But those numbers can be disaggregated on that site mm-hmm. very easily mm-hmm. by state, by the racial demographic. Um, but know that, you know, black and uh, black people are the overwhelming numbers, you know, make the overwhelming, uh, I'm sorry, majority of people living with HIV. Okay. And, and Larry, give us that website again. That's AIDSView.org. Or gov. Or, 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 or gov. It might be org or gov, right? Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, we wanted to capture that for the listeners so they can hear that. I, You know, I think these numbers... In this- go to cdc.gov to get dis- disaggregated numbers as well. cdc.gov. Okay. And uh, AIDS, let me look at AIDS. He's checking that out, so that's good. I think this information is important because, again, for us women, um, oftentimes people are not um, operating in their truth, right? Go ahead, say the say. AIDSview.org. I'm sorry. That's that's fine. So there are there are a percentage of men that may not be comfortable in disclaiming the fact that they sleep with other men or they're bi or gay or whatever. And so it's starting to have impacts with heterosexual women, black women in the community, and we're starting to contract the HIV virus. So I really wanted to talk to Masonia about that. So again, my apologies that we're, we're not able to shed a little bit more light in that space. I think I want to like, kind of like s- to counter that uh, just a little bit. Sure. Because I, I think there's a bit of misnomer. Okay. So that- I don't, I, I, like, I believe there are there are heterosexual men that yes. are living with HIV. Yes. Um, uh, all women, women, you know, the rates in the black female community aren't because they're sleeping with black gay men or yeah. bisexual men who are necessarily uncomfortable talking about, you know, uh, their their sexual orientations. Mm-hmm. I think that is that the conversation about living with HIV is so stigmatized, mm-hmm. highly stigmatized, and especially in the uh, for black straight populations. Yes. So if you are a black straight man mm-hmm. to tell uh, your partner that you're living with HIV, the, the assumption is that you're a black bisexual man. Right. Or to tell your care, I mean, understanding that black people receive 
diminished care mm-hmm. a lot of times in the healthcare facilities right. and black men are uh, black people and then they make you know the stigma that they feel disclosing that information to their doctors i've heard of and freda jones is one of my heroes mm-hmm. and she tells a story a beautiful story about the guy who she uh you know uh, con- contracted hiv from right. and how he died you know she became this amazing superstar advocate and he literally allowed himself to die because of the uh the shame Wow. That he felt, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, like I, I want to put that out there. We have a yes. we just shot a film about HIV and aging called Colors on the Wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the main characters in this uh, documentary is Dr., uh, Reverend William Francis. He's a pastor here in Atlanta and he's a black straight man mm-hmm. living with HIV. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I just think that there's a bit of a misnomer in that. And I also feel like it is maybe just a little bit of uh, uh, detrimental to the 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 the, uh, the unity yes. and coalition between black straight women and black queer men yeah. to to allow that to exist in the space. They're not contracting HIV from bisexual men. They're contracting yeah. HIV from their partners who yeah. are more likely to be straight men. And thank you, thank you for that, Larry, for setting the setting setting me straight and setting the vibration straight so that we can understand that it's not because again, this is all about getting rid of the stigmas, right, and the stereotypes that come along with it. Yes, there we, should be no stigma for living with HIV. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to talk more about Thrive, the organization that you've created. It puts a big smile on your face every time I say it, you say it. <laughs> Tell us more about that and the members that have joined and the impact it's had on your life. Talk, talk to us about that, Larry. Oh, my God. I mean, I could really, I could talk about this all day and I could feel myself uh, becoming emotional thinking about it. Mm. Um, just... The impact that it's had on my life, I'll, I'll start with that. You know, uh, I, we started this organization, myself, Daniel Driffin, Dwayne Bridges, two of my closest friends and colleagues. We started this organization before we were we were comfortable saying that we were living with HIV. Okay. You know, we, we, we wanted to do something that was impactful. Earlier, I, I invoked the name of, uh, of uh, Essex Hemphill, mm-hmm. and he wrote this beautiful piece called For My Own Protection, and it begins... I want to start an organization to save my own life, you know, and then he lists these litany of things that are prioritized. And he felt like if black gay men could be prioritized and we could save our own lives. And that's what we endeavored to do. Mm. Um, like I said, I was very virally suppressed, durably suppressed. You know, mm. you couldn't get HIV from me if I had it in my pocket. And tried it. <laughs> you know what I mean, mm-hmm. but like the stigma was palpable and that is the reason why we created Thrive. The name Thrive actually stands for transforming HIV resentments into victories everlasting. Awesome. And and that's exactly what we endeavor, endeavor to do. We uh, do self-love and HIV acceptance work. You know, uh, we center self-love and HIV acceptance, understanding that the answer to stigma is exactly that. And so, like, when I talked about The Colors on the Wall or our other film that we shot that was uh, featured in the Out on Film Festival this year, uh, Out on the Sky, they're featuring uh, people living with HIV, but they're they're showing them in a, a resilient light, in a, 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 a true light, you know, a complex light yeah. with their full dignity and humanity intact. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know. Uh, the reason why a lot of these mis- uh, misconceptions and and uh, judgments exist about and are, are allowed to thrive mm-hmm. and exist in community about people living with HIV is because we don't get the luxury of being humanized because people automatically think of HIV as something that we did wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, if he wasn't, if he didn't do that, then he mm-hmm. wouldn't have HIV. Mm-hmm. It's like a consequence. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, 
Mm-hmm. You know, so and, and and what we're real we realized what we wanted to do is we wanted to start with us. Yeah. You know, it's it's an uphill battle to try to just change the minds and hearts of people who who just don't get it, you yeah. know, because they're a part of hegemony. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you being a part of that master class of people mm-hmm. who are not, you know, a part of the thing or not aware of a thing is a luxury. You know, you get to be as ignorant as you want to be, you know what I mean? <laughs> and being a part of the, 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 the marginal group, you know, we're like, we have to deal and contend with that. And it's like, you know, trying to be like, no, love us, love us, love us. It's like, right. no, let's turn that stuff on the in- yeah. inside. Right. I mean, let's love ourselves so much that it inspires the world to love mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. and, and, and I think that that's the most the, the reason why I'm so excited and just so like over the moon about the work that we do at Thrive not because we were able to link uh on average over over 300 people back to care uh HIV care a year not because we we're able to shoot these you know beautiful campaigns and movies and things like that or not because of our 5600 square foot building in East Point, Georgia it's because you know the thing that we were told to hate about ourselves we can actually look and be like I like I love that. Yeah. Like this 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 thing is like actually pretty dope and it's pretty amazing that I'm able to take all of that power and all of that, you know, that 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 energy that I was putting into loving my hating myself mm-hmm. and putting it into like not only loving myself but like supporting my community. Yeah. You know? And I'm I'm assuming that's what keeps you going. Is there ever a morning or a time where you just feel like I don't want to be bothered today. I don't want I don't want to go. I don't want to do anything today. What what keeps you going, Larry? What motivates you? Uh, today was that one I was talking about. <laughs> you know, I was like, when did I agree to do something today? Like, uh, what is wrong with me? You know, uh, but the, the thing that keeps me going is understanding that our stories are our are, are light, you know? Yeah. And for so many people, they're, like, thriving and, you know, getting through the darkness. And if I could use, like, my story, if I could use my inspiration, my passion as, like, a way to like guide somebody throughout that through that dark space is like it's worth everything like I will do it I will do that forever and I don't really have days where I'm like I don't want to do this you know what I mean I, I might have isolated things I'm like oh my god I can't believe I agreed to that yeah but you know I don't ever I don't I will never lose my fight my life for this because it's what I, I'm clear that it's what I'm here for Mm-hmm. Like I know that. Like I, I, I like I, I know it in everything that I am. Like I'm not tired around this work, right? <laughs> at right. all. Right. I know that you know this is what I prayed for. I remember when I lived in Baltimore after you know testing positive and working at a community based organization in Baltimore. Um, I asked. I was just like, you know, I want to be of use. You know, I just want to be of use. I want to use my talents. You know, I'm a poet. I'm an actor. I do yeah. all these creative things mm-hmm. i want to use my energy i want to use my life force my life force to to make the world better yeah. so like when i'm having those days where i'm like oh my god it's like no we'll do it because this is what you asked for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. larry do you get an opportunity to speak to young younger men that are that are coming out or just identifying as being gay men to help them prevent uh catching hiv or do you have that platform is that awarded to you often yes uh fortunately i I do a lot of public speaking and things like that um we're about to at thrive actually go into a more prevention space in this next year where we'll be offering providing hiv testing and things like that um again you know sometimes i go back to my uh the, the gsa that I helped to co-found, which is now known as Morehouse Adoti. I, I want to put some respect on that name. They okay. 
change that name. But, you know, and I may go, you know, I go back and talk to them sometimes and things like that. But, you know, fortunately, I have a, a pretty substantial platform mm-hmm. in, able, in which I'm able to tell my story and, mm-hmm. and to talk and to outreach to younger brothers. Are there any programs you'd like to see the government or maybe on a local level or state level implement to support Thrive or other young men or men in general fighting and beating mm. HIV every day? Yes. I, would, I mean, I don't know what they are. I mean, I know that I want to shout out programs like He is Valuable, like Black AIDS Institute, like SAC, Southern AIDS Coalition, and mm-hmm. NASM, and all of those these beautiful Black-led organizations who do this work. They should be funded uh, over and over again. Yeah. They should be funded for every year mm-hmm. of funding Positive Women's Network and you know, of course, Thrive SS and all of these other agencies should be funded forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to see the new administration prioritize mental health, mm-hmm. especially in the space of collective grief. I mean, yeah. oh, 300, I just cringe every time I think of over 300,000 souls, mostly black and other people of color, um, gone, you know. Yeah. Uh, because of the lack of health equity. Mm. You know, this is like the, the only reason that these people are gone is yeah. because our government doesn't prioritize them. Right. They don't care about them. You know, they, they we prioritize lattes and, and spas wow. or over actual life. And I think that, like, I would love to see this government put more energy into righting the wrongs, you know, actually addressing the, the, the harm that has been done, yeah. you know, and really, like, atoning for the, 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 the part that they played in it. Mm-hmm. And even this, I mean, it, the, the disparity, between, the racial disparity between people who are dying and yeah. getting extremely sick from COVID mm-hmm. and uh, people who are just like, you know, kicking it. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. You it's know, crazy. It's, it's, very, it's very crazy. And I think that this government should do more. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, uh, the social determinants of health are like, you know, uh, everything. You know, and I think that more should be put into housing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put those after school programs back into the hood, yeah, you, know? Like, yeah. you know, stop gentrifying and moving people out of the hood and put right. you know, some energy into it. Because yeah. like the fight against HIV, the work that Thrive does is intersectional work. It's not we're just responding to the fact that uh, uh, one in two black gay men are, are predicted to get HIV in their lives. We're responding to that. But the government could be proactive in making sure that that never happens. Right. Right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Larry. Thank you for that. Um, Tell me a little bit about the movie. You said you were just you guys just kind of finished wrapping up a movie. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we, we, we actually hosted our first screening of the movie on uh, December 1st. Uh, nice. We're hosting we're partnering with Glad as well Ooh. as um uh, Georgia's AETC, which is the AIDS Education Training Center, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to do a host of screenings between January 25th and December, um, and January 25th and February 5th, which is actually the day before my birthday. Ah. Uh, so, um, and um, the movie is basically following people living with HIV, thriving with HIV, mm-hmm. black demographics of people. So uh, you have a black straight man, you have two black straight women, you have two black gay men, you have a black same, uh, you have a black. Um, 
uh, I'm sorry, you have a black straight trans man mm. living with HIV. Mm. Um, and it's just basically them coming together to like really tell their stories mm. because these are under, like you hear about like, fortunately you're beginning to hear more about like Larry's, you know, people like me yeah. and Daniel and Dwayne and other black gay men thriving with HIV and things like that. Mm -hmm. But gay men are kind of overly represented in the conversation, aren't we? Mm -hmm. You know, so this year when we were uh, talking about, you know, planning for the shooting of this film, Mm -hmm. Malcolm Reed, who is our uh, director of programs, he actually held up like, you know, like it would be awesome to bring in some of these under uh, represented stories into this, you know what I mean? And to really do the work that we say should be done. Right. Um, So, uh, uh, it was really beautiful to mm-hmm. actually hear the accounts of black women, you know, queens talking about, you know, what it you know, meant to be uh, diagnosed with HIV, but then also what it, how it felt to be disenfranchised from the conversation about yeah. HIV. Hearing William yeah. Francis talk about, you know, how he felt as a straight man living with HIV, like there's no space for him, mm. you know. And I hear that so much from straight men living with HIV. Mm. And it's just like, you know, I think art just provides us the, the, the luxury of being able to really tell uh, a complex story in right. a beautiful way. So, um, right. yeah. Is there any way we can see the movie for those that uh, couldn't be there on the first to see the screening? Because I got people listening in from New York and all over and as far as Toronto. So how so, could we find the movie and hear it? Check it out. Um, so uh, what I will do for the people that's reaching out to you, because we, like I said, we're doing a, a several screenings. Um, we'll provide you the movie. I mean, you could uh, share it to your 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 your, your Awesome. Watcher. That's awesome. We'll provide you the link to where they, they can... You yeah, know, they can check it out. We don't want to blast it out because we want people to come to our screenings. Yeah. Uh, for free. And we'll uh, feature uh, talent, you know, so mm-hmm. um, uh, join both. But yeah, there's a... It's actually being hosted right now. We'll okay. share the link. Okay. If, and if you want us to wait until after you're hosting it, you know, we can do it, uh, share the link the first of the year if that's oh, better. No. That would uh, that make sense. Actually, actually, if we could sh- if we could share it out on National Black HIV and AIDS Awareness Day, which is February seventh, okay, that would be amazing because we're having screenings leading up to that day. We actually have a screening on the seventh, okay. So um, then we'll you know yeah yeah I'm going to mark that down on my calendar so that I can gently remind you so that we can get that link and share it to our listeners so they can I watch it, it. And, and see it too because I think I it's, it. it's it's great it's empowerment because that's what it's all about we want to have um we want people to have the platform and the opportunity to see people express themselves be transparent about living with HIV whether they're gay lesbian straight transgen doesn't matter but we want people to hear their stories because that gives people strength in their own in their own space so that's a great thing a great documentary are you guys going to do any more film like that you're in, since you're an actor an artist you are you, are you going to curate some more informational oh, yeah. stories like that yeah so project rio is the project that we do these films under mm-hmm. uh, we do it every year so we did uh, like i said we did outrun the sky which you can find um outrun the sky on our website okay um, Following five black gay men living with HIV, our website is www.thriveSS.org. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-S as in Sam, S as in Sam.org. And you can go to the tab for Out in the Sky and you can actually see the film there. And you can see a trailer for the uh, colors on the wall there as well. Awesome. Um, but yeah, we're going to do these films until, like, look, we're going to be telling black stories as long as we live. Mm-hmm. As long as we exist, we're going to tell black stories mm-hmm. because it's not just about living with HIV. It's about uh, righting the wrongs. It's about, like, you know, 
correcting this imbalance. Mm-hmm. So as long as we can, we're going to continue to prioritize that as well as, you know, linking people to care and treatment yeah, and building networks and stuff like that. That's yeah. very important because oftentimes, Larry, you know, we just don't know where to go. We, yeah. you know, just we don't know where to go, who to talk to, what to do. And so having Thrive in place and you gentlemen are so wonderful and accessible and just giving of information and transparency and authenticity, it's going to help so many people when they even whether it's themselves, someone in their family, a close friend, even their partner. You know, we got to have these outlets. And I think because we were shelter in place this whole year and coronavirus was so important and it did it's taking away so many of our loved ones on one spectrum we we, i think we forgot about talking about hiv as well as talking about cancer survivors there's so many other things that are going on that are stealing the lives of our people that we still have to bring these these opportunities up these discussions up to talk about it say this is still a real thing this is still happening just because it's not on CNN's top five and Cuomo's not talking about it. You know, Chris Cuomo's not talking about it every night. It still exists and it, it, it exists in our community. So that's even more important to us because it's happening to black and brown people in our community, right? So I do have a, a large listening Latino base today up in New York. So they're, they're interested in going through the same things that we're going through as black people, our brown and Hispanic Latino communities are going through the same thing. So this is powerful, Larry. I want to thank you. This has been awesome, awesome work. So what else is for you? What What are you going to do personally? You Toastmaster guy. Anything else you got working, you're, you're working on to promote Thrive or yourself? You, do you have a book inside of you, Larry? I do. I have, well, I have two books on Amazon, actually. Yes! <laughs> so, yes! I have, uh, two uh, books it's uh, called uh, Love Equation, Pain mm. Plus Pleasure Equals Poetry. Mm. Um, so it's love poetry. Um, and that's Love Equation, Pain Plus Pleasure Equals Poetry. And it's Larry Walker, Larry L. Walker okay. on uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, like, really, like, intentionally trying to, like, you know, get out what's inside of me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as it relates to, like, my advocacy piece, but also, like, what's, you know, my, my personal life. Um, right. My feelings and things like that, my mm-hmm. my spirit, you know, I've been really working at like, you know, centering a lot and um, reprioritizing my spirit. So I do have some uh, some projects in me. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, but if anybody wants to, you know, uh, check out any of my current work, uh, you can definitely check out Amazon. Awesome. Awesome. How can people find you, Larry? How can they find you and thrive? Tell us, tell us, how can we get with thrive? And can we join like a mailing list if we go to the website? So we know what's going on, right? Tell us about thrive. So yes, if you go to thriveSS.org, you can uh, join our mailing list. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are on Facebook, you can go to, you could search thrive SS and uh, become one of our uh, followers on our Facebook fan page. We share out a lot of information on our fan page, a lot of what we're doing. Um, we're in partnership, like I said, with the local Georgia AIDS Education Training Center, mm-hmm. uh, where we're doing the, a lot of like presentations about like HIV and COVID. Um, uh, we just did it. We wrapped up our last one on Friday, so we will start the next ones the big second week of the first year of the okay. new next year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, the second week of the first year, that was funny. (laughs) 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 But it's like when Jesus was born, right? um, uh, So, no, um, and then if you wanted to find me, you could look me up at Larry Scott Walker, Mm -hmm. Larry Scott hyphen Walker Mm -hmm. on Facebook. Um, Definitely friend me there. 
Um, and LDub seventy nine, LDUB seventy nine. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> are you are you guys um, um, open to helping other organizations in different cities? provide similar services and care. Are you open to mentoring or apprenticing other people that want to do this? Most certainly. That was probably your most important question. (laughs) (laughs) We love that. We live for technical assistance. Mm -hmm. We can't do this alone. You know, we got, we have some really cool models that work. And uh, we provide technical assistance for agencies already, but Uh we're, um, we're, we love to like share the wealth, you know, especially as it relates to uh, linking black and brown people to the the services that they deserve. So um, yes, we're always here for any type of like twinning, any type of like mentorship, any type of technical assistance. We are actually the uh, uh, fiscal sponsors for an agency, a beautiful agency called PH. Um, C.H. Peer mm-hmm. out of uh, Jackson, uh, not Jackson, Mississippi, out of Mississippi Delta. Mm-hmm. And they're doing amazing work as a, as a young, uh, black, queer-led organization that's doing some very important work. So we're proud to stand in the gap for them. Uh, Freda Jones's organization is one of the organizations that we're uh, helping to incubate right now mm-hmm. with fiscal sponsorship. Her organization is called Lotus, and it's specifically for black women living with HIV. Oh. Um, they're based out of Atlanta. They mm-hmm. have 300-plus men members um positive to positive with uh more singletary that's another uh organization that we're incubating incubating right now and their whole thing is about health promotion making sure that people know about prep and things like that so like we we're here to partner and we're here to do this work with you man that's awesome i'm glad i asked a very important question thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much larry thank you so listen i'm let me kind of wrap up with you i want you to sit tight because there's a lot of things there I want to thank you for your time, Larry. But everybody, listen, Georgia, hey, I said it at the beginning of the show. We got to get out here and vote. If you've not voted already, please, 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 your mailbox is probably flooded with all of this stuff. Voter voter guide, make a plan now, early voting, be strategic like everything else that you do. Find out your local, uh, find out your voting location, get out there and vote. Please do it. If you can't do it prior to, you want to mail in your ballot, mail in your ballot. If not, January 5th is the day. Okay, so please go out there and vote and vote and vote. Um, Today's show is sponsored and powered by My Sister's Keeper. Yeah, I am my sister's keeper. Desiree Montanez, my friend, my friend from high school, doing big things in the Northeast, in New York, being accountable for one another. It's a community-based uh, movement. It's wonderful. It provides motivation, resources, information, etc. things that we need. They are pushing because it's the holiday season. They're doing a Toys for Tots drive. Please follow them on Facebook. You, you people that are on Facebook, it is I Am My Sister's Keeper. Go and get your motivational and inspirational vitamins every day from them. See what they're doing for their community. See how they're empowering women to be better in their skin that they've been blessed with. And again, if you feel no donation is too small it's a toys for tots drive christmas is next friday we don't want the babies to not have a toy it's christmas so if you have something to share please give it to them thank you so much desiree for everything that you do and thank you for allowing me to share what real chicks rock does on your platform who would i be without that thank you so much it is my last show like i said for the year. And I have to give thanks. Yes. Thank you, everybody 
who hung out with me when I did shows from my house because we had shelter in place. I took it to the porch and then I decided to come back into the studio. It's been a very interesting year, but the conversations have not been dull. We tried to keep it very informative. We wanted to end the year off with something that I thought could help some people. Um, H- living with HIV is a very serious thing, and I commend everyone that has it and, he- and has decided to thrive and not just survive with it. I like the fact that Larry is so committed to everything that he's doing, so we wanted to end the year off with that type of empowerment that people, listen, the resources that you need are out here for you to get. You, you know you didn't catch everything, so when I repost the show, please feel free to re-listen to it, replay it, and share it with those that you think may need to hear because again the information is out here for you guys to absorb i'm real chicks rock and i am everywhere i i am i'm on instagram i'm on facebook check us out on the website we got realchicksrock.com we are still pushing some t-shirts and masks you know there's no reason why you can't look good during the middle of the pandemic you should look cute i want to thank all our listeners that are checking us out on get live radio in the uk germany and paraguay thanks to the on channel that's a subscription television streaming service thank you for showing our 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 shows there and thanks to BeatBreakRadioFM.com. That's my time. Thank you so much, Larry, for being an amazing and awesome guest today. For all of you, I'll see you guys, God willing, and he always is. I'll see you in 2021, but I want to leave you a little piece of this poem. It's part of Our Deepest Fear by Marianne Williamson. I'm just going to read you the last piece. It says, and as we let our own light shine, We unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we were liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I want to thank you guys for a wonderful 2020. It was a little rough, but you guys held my hand through it and I couldn't be here without you. So I want to thank you, you and you for taking the time to share, comment, Listen, tell people all about it, subscribe to the to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for supporting Real Chicks Rock and everything that we're, we've done. We got some more things that we got up our sleeve for 2021. It's not the end. We thank you. So that's my time. You guys take care, be well, and continue to rock on. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a product or service you'd like to have promoted during the show, please contact us at info at realchicksrock.com and we'll send you the details. We're reaching the masses and we would love for you to join us on the ride. Until next time, take care and continue to rock on.